Hello, it's your host uh, of Tales from Southern Indiana, uh, Danny Howell, back again. Uh, haven't spoken with you a while. Hope you're all uh, doing just great. Um, so, you know, uh, I got to thinking about about um, varmints, about uh, various wild animals and recently because I don't see all that many just on an everyday basis growing up out in Southern Indiana, but uh, since I've been many years living in the, the Northern Virginia, D.C. metropolitan area, I see more wild animals than I ever did in my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, the there's, uh, gosh, uh, bald eagles everywhere and uh, foxes that are just impervious to, you know, any concerns about their safety. You'd walk on the sidewalks, in fact. Groundhogs, black bears who bother the people a little farther out. But, uh, you know, back where I grew up, you just didn't see five things like this. I mean, if I ever even saw squirrels, they were usually running fast and looking nervous. But, you know, there are quite a few uh, that you still run into out in Indiana. And uh, and I've heard some stories about some of them. I had a friend who, uh, uh, who had um, uh, a bunch of copperhead uh, snakes. They're poisonous snakes, although the good news apparently is that if they bite you, they don't kill you. Uh, well, at least they shouldn't kill you. But they are venomous, and they up they get up to about three feet long, and they make people a little nervous, and they often get in people's yards and under rocks and such things. And he he found a bunch um, under some rocks uh, at his mother's house. Thought he ought to get rid of them, and he thought the best way to do it was to bring his son over with a shotgun, and he would reach out, grab the copperhead by the tail, and pull it out. And as soon as he pulled it all the way out, his son would shoot it in the head with the shotgun. And, you know, my thought was you need to be able to make a, a snap judgment as to whether you've got the tail, in fact, or perhaps the head. But it worked out. They pulled out four three-foot-long copperheads and, and blew their heads off with, uh, with, a, uh, with a shotgun. Now, one of the things that, uh, uh, that I didn't actually know was, was such a big deal, but apparently is all over the place in terms of ponds and whatnot, is, is, uh, is muskrats. <laughs> My brother once, uh, he had a place with a couple of ponds and a couple of folks, two brothers who were river people. And if you if you grew up where I grew up, you'd know what I mean by river people. Um, knocked on his door and said, can we trap your muskrats? Of course, my brother didn't know he had any muskrats and they trapped a bunch. And uh, they came and showed them. They had seven muskrats, which apparently they were going to eat. And they were missing a fair amount of teeth. And my brother was having teeth pulled to get dentures at the time. And he looked at them and said, you know, between you guys and me, we could eat a cob of corn. Um, now, there were also snapping turtles uh, in the pond, which everybody had enough sense to stay away from. And um, I had uh, my same friend who, who, who had uh, to pull out and kill the copperheads. He was a, a wrangler for the local... Uh, turtle race at the uh, little festival they had in this little town every year. And, you know, turtle races are, are hilarious on some level because the turtles don't really race. They, they, they're all in a bucket. You turn the bucket upside down and pretty much they just sit there for a while trying to figure out whether there's any point in going anywhere. And then eventually one of them does and they'll get almost to the finish line and they'll turn around and go the other way. It can last quite a while. But it was a run what you brung race and some people would bring snapping turtles, which the wranglers would object to. Now, um, but it made me wonder while I was thinking about all of this, what sort of wild animals did folks have to contend with back in southern Indiana uh, a whole long time ago? And so I was looking through uh, the old articles around the turn of the century, as I've been wont to do lately, and one of the big problems, apparently, uh, was panthers. 
and get an idea of why at some point there weren't any anymore because they were hunted uh, in sort of immediate reaction to the things they did. But there are an awful lot of stories about panthers dating back uh, quite a while, and there's, for instance, uh, uh, a, <laughs> an article about uh, a panther that was feasting on a dead mule. And, you know, they didn't have much to write about back then, so they always extended these stories with speculation. They said that, you know, if the panther is still loose, there's no doubt it enjoyed the feast of the dead mule. Apparently the mule was dead before the panther got there. And they'd be prone to exaggeration, I think, about these animals. There was another article from 1912 from the county paper, uh, paper where I grew up and talked about how farmers were having hunting parties to track down a panther that had killed at least half a hundred hogs within the last two months. Okay, fifty hogs in in two months. I, I, what do I know about it? I suppose it's possible, but at any rate, uh, you know that's that's more hogs than you'd use at your uh, your average uh, Lions Club pancake breakfast. That's for sure. The um, and the thing about it was that uh, they would they finally tracked down this panther, and they said that. Um, they cautiously approached the panther, but with a scream, the panther bounded out of the underbrush and went out of sight. And the next morning, they found two more pigs that had been partly eaten. Apparently, the panther doesn't finish its meals sometimes, just eats part of it. And that went on until they finally captured it and killed it. Um, now, sometimes uh, they wouldn't quite be certain what they were running into. And one of the headlines from one of the papers back in 1911 said, uh, Either a panther or a lynx is terrorizing Martin County folks near the county seat and tears dogs to pieces. And the, uh, the article uh, said that the hunters were unable to get their dogs to track this animal um, because the animal had attacked several dogs and tore them almost to pieces. And uh, they thought it was a panther, but it might be a lynx. Apparently a lynx is a pretty big cat, might be five feet long if it was a lynx back then. And these are all cats that we don't, I guess, that we don't see much anymore. And the, the, uh, there would be these stories that appear to be exaggerations sometimes of people actually having encounters to have to fight panthers. It's a fellow in an 1874 article from Jasper, Indiana, who had uh, been trying to capture and well, kill a panther that was, that was eating things that it didn't want it to eat, and caught up with the panther and walked up to it and, uh, and shot it and thought it was dead. And then said, suddenly the corpse rose into the air with a terrible spring and tore all the clothing off the left side of the body and limbs of the fellow. Didn't tear the limbs off, just the, just the clothing, apparently. And then the, as he swerved, <coughs> the quick-eyed hunter dealt a blow with his clubbed gun at the panther, smashing the stock to atoms. And the brute came at him again and slashed his antagonist from top to toe without, however, wounding him doesn't seem consistent these these words at any rate at some point he was able to kill the panther and that was an end to that as ultimately was an end to all the panthers in that area and I suppose lynx as well now these days the uh, uh, there are in fact sightings of what we now call mountain lions um, and the uh, uh, the notion with these these mountain lions is that they probably are not breeding populations um, but are instead um, sort of folks you know, who are commuting from the West Coast, maybe over to the East, to look for different, uh, different types of, 
habitats that they may want to uh, make as a new home because perhaps they're experiencing panther overcrowding uh, back where they, their, uh, their other folks came from. Now, they, the thing about this is that there are some confirmed sightings, and so the Department of Natural, Natural Resources has issued some advice for what people ought to do uh, if they encounter a mountain lion. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's interesting to look at it. And one of the pieces of advice is to grab a child. I, I think they mean if there is a child in the vicinity. Grab a child, and I, I don't think you're supposed to hold them in front of you, you know, for the panther. You're supposed to protect them. But it says grab them without bending over. Because if you bend over, you look smaller. The panther may decide that it can handle you. And you know, I mean, these are again; these animals are quite large, up to eight feet or so long, 200, 250 pounds. They really are uh, fierce-looking things. But uh, it says grab a child, and then it says, um, uh, you know, there's various other things you should do without bending over uh, to try to avoid the panther. One of the things it says is leave the panther an exit which I, I wouldn't really think you'd need to tell anybody. I mean, I would just, you know, hold my arm out and say, please go ahead. Um, and the other thing that it says is that if the panther attacks you, fight back. Again, it, it, you know, you would think that everybody would know there's two choices, uh, either fight back or, or be eaten. Um, but it says whatever you do, <laughs> whatever you do, don't run. And to paraphrase Bill Bryson in his wonderful book, Walk in the Woods, about bears and that sort of advice, it says don't run, but you know, you might as well run because it gives you something to do with the last seven seconds of your life. So at any rate, here's some, some good advice about, uh, about animals that are bothering us now and some interesting uh, memories and, uh, and accounts of what used to be much more of an everyday problem back in the day. As always, thanks for listening. Good to talk to you. Talk to you later.